Morning brothers and sisters, today's reading is from Mark 10. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at the right and the other at the left in your glory. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptised with the baptism I am baptised with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, You will drink the cup I drink and be baptised with the baptism I am baptised with, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When, they, when the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, Lord, it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Then they came to Jericho, as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called, him to, the so they called to the blind man, cheer up. On your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Church, I've sandwiched two gospel stories together this week for us to have a look at. Well, not really me, Mark did in his gospel, in putting together his gospel. He deliberately put these two stories together. Mark himself put these two little episodes together to contrast against each other. It's important to know that the gospel writers were not simply scribes. The way they structure their accounts of Jesus' life and ministry is very deliberate. It's, it's part of their preaching. It's part of their message. It's how they communicate their message to we, their readers. And Mark has obviously sandwiched these two events together on purpose for us. Mark is using these contrasting incidents like sort of mini parables put together. They're a pretty handy one-two punch like a left-right combination from a boxer. If you know anything about boxing, you'll know that in if you're in a traditional stance, the left jab gives the target something to think about to, to get them off balance, while the big right comes through to hopefully land the killer blow. And that's what Mark is doing here. It's a little handy one-two punch with uh, both James and John and then blind Bartimaeus. So firstly, we've got these two former fishermen, these two disciples, James and John. Now, you need to understand this is the last month of Jesus' life, and they're in Jericho. 
Jericho is only about a six-hour walk up into Jerusalem. Jesus is fast approaching Jerusalem for the final time at this point. So James and John have been following Jesus for a few years at this point. And they were among a select inner group of especially trusted disciples of Jesus that included only themselves and Peter. They had seen and heard Jesus do all manner of amazing things. They were among the most privileged people ever to have lived. They were among the closest confidence of God in the flesh, God in skin, Jesus of Nazareth. I mean, what more could they possibly have wanted in this life? Well, when Jesus asked, what do you want me to do for you? The answer they gave revealed how appallingly blind, in fact, they still were. Although they had witnessed things never before seen or never since, they, their answer shows that they hadn't really understood them. Still blinded by their own selfish wants, James and John show that all they really wanted was more favoritism. They lobbied Jesus at this point for special positions within his government, within his realm, within his rule. They say, when you come into your kingdom, let us sit at your side, one on your right and one on your left. What they're asking, in effect, is to be prime minister and premier to the king. They had good eyes, perfectly functioning eyes, yet they were blinder than people like Bartimaeus who had no eyesight. They couldn't see past their noses. They couldn't see beyond their own agendas. Well, of course, Jesus pours cold water on their selfish request, doesn't he, at this point? And then we come to blind Bartimaeus. Now, if you study the miraculous healing stories in Mark, you'll find that they generally follow a set pattern. But this one doesn't really fit. But if you looked at the stories of Jesus calling people to follow him, you'd find that this story fits better with them rather than as a healing story. So this isn't just a story about the healing of a blind man. This is a story about people needing their eyes opened so that they can see clearly in order to follow Jesus on their way to the cross. That's what this story is really about, rather than simply a man receiving his sight. Bartimaeus is sitting beside the road begging for money. This is how he survived. He was a beggar. He was a nobody. Even his name here implies a lack of status. You see, Bartimaeus really means son of Timaeus. That's what his name means. He is the son of Timaeus. And while such a name was carried by all Israelite men until the death of their father, it was usually carried in addition to their own name. For example, the disciple Simon Peter, whose real name was Simon, he would have been known as Simon Bar-Jonah, Simon the son of Jonah. Normally only young boys were known only by reference to their father. So for a grown man to be known that way is probably a further indication of his status as a nobody. He has no aspirations to power or glory or 
privileged positions like James and John did. All he's doing is trying to survive. He just sits by the roadside with his precious cloak that he wraps himself up in at night. He spreads it out in front of him, begging for coins from the pilgrims who are on their way up to Jerusalem. But when Jesus comes by, blind Bartimaeus sees what others can't. He calls out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, this phrase, son of David, is important. Bartimaeus is the very first person in the gospel to publicly use this title, Son of David, to describe Jesus. It's a title that was associated with the long-awaited Messiah. Bartimaeus, despite his blindness, sees what others can't. This blind nobody, Bartimaeus, is the one who truly sees and publicly identifies Jesus bar David, Jesus the Son of David. As he calls out to Jesus, the people try to shut him up, echoing the disciples' attempts to shoo off the little children that we heard about a couple of weeks ago. In those days, people thought that if you were blind, that it was because God was punishing you, that you deserved it, and that you were therefore cursed by God as a result. Note, this is why when Jesus calls the Pharisees blind guides, it's such a damning insult and rebuke. And because of this ignorant belief, Bartimaeus' cries elicit no sympathy from the crowd at all. You see, they have disdain for him. He's a nobody. He's a sinner. He deserves to be in his station in life. But Bartimaeus just shouts even louder. And I love that. I love this part of the story. I absolutely love Bartimaeus' persistence here. Bartimaeus wouldn't take no for an answer. His desire was stronger than their discouragement. He refuses to be silenced. He knows Jesus is a merciful Messiah. He knows his great need for mercy, and he will fight for that mercy. Good on him. (laughs) In fact, the Greek word used here to describe his shouting is a very strong word. It's actually used elsewhere to describe a, a woman's screams during childbirth. Bartimaeus is not taking no for an answer and he knows his great need for Jesus and he won't stop until he receives Jesus, until he uh, gets some attention from him, gets what he needs. So Jesus stops and in fact calls him, we're told. Jesus isn't judgmental like the other onlookers. He stops and asks Bartimaeus to come to him. Did you get that? Jesus wants the beggar to make some effort. He wants him to show a willingness to help himself. So up Bartimaeus jumps and we're told that he leaves his cloak behind, leaves his coat behind and comes to Jesus. Now a beggar's coat or his cloak was possibly his sole possession and it was essential for his livelihood. It would have been spread out in front of him receiving those tossed coins from passers-by where the rich man from last week couldn't give up all of his belongings to follow Jesus, if you were with us last week, what he couldn't do, Bartimaeus does in a flash. There's no walking away downcast for Bartimaeus. He has faith that his deficiency can be surpassed by the all-sufficiency of Jesus. And here again, Jesus asks, what do you want? 
Have you caught the absolutely staggering fact that Jesus takes on the role of a servant in asking this question, what can I do for you? It's exactly the same question that he had asked James and John when they came asking for a favour. But how different are the two answers? James and John, well, they wanted privilege and status and prestige and glory. Bartimaeus asks only, Rabbi, I want to see. Well, go, says Jesus. Your faith has healed you, he says. And Bartimaeus miraculously receives his sight. And the closing line of the story is that he follows Jesus on the way as he continues his journey to Jerusalem and the cross. He was now able to see and thus became a follower of Jesus. By linking this story with the preceding section about James and John, as well as that of the one before it about the rich young man, Mark is clearly portraying Bartimaeus as the ideal disciple who embodies the attributes that Jesus desires, but which the others have failed to acquire. And in so doing, Mark is asking you and I, his readers, what it will take for us to follow Jesus on the way. What will it take for us to renounce our thirst for power, to recognize our blindness, and to seek true vision that will enable us to continue the adventure of discipleship? Bartimaeus knew his need. He was desperate. But can I ask, how desperate are you and I? Are we the sighted who remain blind? Or are we the ones who know we are blind and who long to see? I think the key is in the wanting. What do you want? I mean, what do you really want? Let me ask you this morning. What do you want? If Jesus were to ask you today, what do you want me to do for you? What would be your honest answer? I mean, not some pretty answer, not some socially acceptable answer or dressed up with nice, acceptable language, but the raw, uncensored stuff of your soul. What would it be? What do you really desire in your heart of hearts? I have a suspicion that sometimes our requests would resemble that of James and John rather than Bartimaeus. I think we too readily look for favors from God. I think we often are like a child with a, a Christmas wish list. But I, I hope you might be wiser than that. I hope we might all ask for better sight. Better sight perhaps to see more clearly the path that God is calling us onto through the complex maze of this confusing world. Better insight perhaps into how to live out your faith better in word and deed. Better insight into when to speak and when to be silent. Better insight into when to hold your ground and when to compromise for Christ's sake. Better insight perhaps into being a better steward of your gifts, of your education, of your life experience and of your possessions. Better insight into being Christ's hands and feet. Better insight into making tough or, or costly decisions. Better insight into boldly yet graciously speaking God's truth 
to a world hell-bent on pursuing lies. I think you and I would be wise simply to answer Jesus' question with, what do you want with Rabbi? I just want to see. Friend, know today that your disability, whatever it happens to be, doesn't hinder your ability to call out to Jesus today. I pray that there is something of the beggar still alive in me, and I pray there's something of the beggar still alive in you too. I pray that somewhere within us, despite our affluent Aussie lifestyle today, that there's still a desperate, urgent, hungry beggar crying out for what is more important than prestige or acceptance or comfort or even happiness. That is the ability to see that we might follow Jesus more closely. Tell him today, friend, that you want to see so that you can follow him all the days of your life. Call out to him today and tell him you want to see so that you can follow him all the days of your life to your eternal home where you need beg no more. Amen.